Uh, well, this morning we continue our series, which we picked up again in the book of Matthew. Last week we started it again in Matthew chapter 8, uh, which comes after Jesus has been preaching uh, on the mountainside. He is given a wondrous sermon we know as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and then he comes down uh, from the mountainside and he comes to Capernaum. And before he uh, enters, he is met by this uh, man uh, who has leprosy, which is who we looked at last week. Uh, this leper that comes to him and Jesus cleanses him. Uh, so that he can re-enter into society. And now he meets somebody else. Who does Jesus meet now? Well, he meets a centurion. We see that in verse 5. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. What is a centurion? A centurion is a Roman soldier and particularly in command of roughly a hundred soldiers. We understand the century means a hundred years, uh, so we understand the, the, the word cent has, means a hundred, and so a centurion was someone who was in charge of roughly a hundred soldiers. So he was in command of other soldiers. He's a soldier himself, but he always also has soldiers under him. Now, why does the centurion come to Jesus? Well, he wants Jesus to heal his servant. We read uh, in verse 5 that he's asking for help, and in verse 6 he says, Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralysed and in terrible suffering. And what's Christ's answer to the centurion's request? Well, Jesus says that he will go and heal him. In verse 7, Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him, heal the servant for the centurion. But what is the centurion's response? to this, that Jesus will go to his place and heal the servant uh, as he has requested. Well, verse 8, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. Uh, the centurion's response is to admit that he is unworthy to have Jesus come under his roof. Now, why would he say this? Why is a centurion, who's obviously a very important soldier in the army, the Roman army, he has other soldiers under him, why is he concerned about Christ coming under his roof? Why does he think that it is not appropriate for Christ to come into his home? Well, one reason is that the centurion was a Gentile and not a Jew. He is a member of the Roman army and therefore he is not part of the Jewish uh, nation itself. He is there as an occupying uh, force within that nation. He is a Gentile and not a Jew. Now why is it a problem for him to be a Gentile? Why is it such a problem? Well, there was an understanding amongst the Jews that you could not, Jews could not enter into Gentile homes without being considered unclean by other Jews. And we actually see this in John's Gospel where the, the Jews have had the trial of the Lord Jesus uh, with their Sanhedrin and they lead Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. And in John's Gospel, chapter 18, verse 28, it says, By now it was early morning and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They did not enter the palace of the Roman governor, of Pilate. Why? because they wanted to avoid ceremonial uncleanness and they then wanted to be able to eat the Passover. We read there in verse 28 of John chapter 18. So it was widely understood, according to the Jews, that Gentiles were unclean and if you went into a Gentile's house, you would become unclean as well. You would be ceremonially unclean and then have to go through the requirements of the law in order to retain a clean status again. So for Jesus to go into this man's house is not appropriate, and the Gentile centurion knows this. Why else would he not want Jesus to come into his house? Well, he also recognises that Christ's position is far greater than the centurion's position, than his position. The centurion had authority to order men around. 
We even read that in the verses that are there. He admits in verse verse 9, he says, For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. He's a very important man. He has a very important position. He has servants under him. He has soldiers under him. And when he tells them what to do, what do they do? They say, no, thank you. No, they do what he asks them to do. But he comes to Jesus and says, you are not wor- I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Why? Because Christ's position is far greater. The centurion has the authority to order men around. What does Jesus have? He has the authority to order illnesses around. And so therefore, the soldier knows that Jesus is far greater than him. And therefore, he does not deserve to have Jesus enter into his house, which is interesting when we consider that he is the occupying force. The centurion has dominated, the Romans have dominated the Jews. That's why they're there in that nation. And so really, Jesus should be subject to the centurion as the occupying force. It should be the case that if the centurion says to Jesus, do this, what should Jesus do? He should do it because he has been ordered to by the centurion. But the centurion recognises that Jesus is far greater than him. He is subject to Jesus, not Jesus is subject to him. And therefore, Jesus should not come into his place. He is too great to come into the centurion's home. So what is the problem, ultimately, when the centurion says, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof? He's recognising his uncleanness before the Lord Jesus. He's recognising that he's unclean because of his ethnicity, And he's also recognising his uncleanness because of his position, his inferiority to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this fits in with what we're seeing here in Matthew chapter 8. What did we see last week? We saw a man who was unclean. Why was he unclean? Because of disease. What are we seeing this week? We're seeing another man come to Jesus. And he is unclean as well. Why is he unclean? Because of his ethnicity and his position, his status in society. He is unclean before the Lord Jesus. And what does Jesus do in response to this man as he says, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof? Well, Jesus marvels, is astonished at it. We read that in verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Why is Jesus astonished? Why does he marvel? Because the centurion's faith is obviously very great. This man's faith in Jesus Christ is very great. How great? Well, he recognises that Jesus, if he simply says the word, the servant will be healed. We see that he recognises that Christ's word has power in itself. In verse 8, we read, The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. He has great faith in Jesus, so great that he believes that Jesus' word has power to heal, even remotely. His servant, of course, is in his house. He is there with Jesus, nowhere near the servant, and yet he knows that if Jesus says that his servant will be healed, that the servant will be healed. How else do we know that his faith is great? Well, Jesus says that it is a greater faith than he has found in, than, in, in, than in any Jew. We read that in verse 10. He says, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. He recognises that this man as a Gentile has greater faith than that of Jews who are meant to be the people of God. And yet this Gentile, he says, has greater faith than them. And how else do we know that the centurion's faith is so great? We see that Jesus acknowledges that this faith is so great that this man will have a seat at the feast of God in heaven itself. 
alongside who? The patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those great men of the Old Testament. This centurion has faith that will allow him to take a place with those men. We see that in verse 11. Jesus says, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And this faith is so great that it's as a Gentile, he is going to take a place at the, in heaven, whilst what will happen to those Jews who claim to have faith in God? They will be thrown out. We read in verse 12, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The sons of the kingdom is a literal translation of that verse. They will be thrown out while this man, those who claim to have faith in God, they will be thrown out. But this man who is a Gentile, his faith will enable him to take a seat with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. No wonder Jesus marvels at this man's faith and the implications of it. So what does Jesus do? Well, he grants the centurion what he asks. He grants what his faith desires, and that is the healing of his servant. And we see that in verse 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. Now, this, these verses before us this morning, I think are, have a great lesson for us as well. Why? Because we are not worthy. We are not worthy to have Jesus come under our roof either. Why? Because we are unclean as well. All humans are unclean because of Christ, uh, before Christ. Why? Because of their ethnicity. Why is that the problem for them? We're made by God, aren't we? So aren't we acceptable before God? Aren't we acceptable before the Son of God because God has made us? Shouldn't he welcome everybody of all nations? Well, we are unclean, though. Our nations are unclean. Why? Because of our sin. All the nations of the earth have chosen to change their ethnicity. By sinning against God, they have changed which race they belong to. They belong to the race of God, but then by their sin, what have they done? What have all humans done? They've changed races. And what is our family now? Our family is part of the kingdom of darkness, not the kingdom of God. We're part of the nation of darkness, not the nation of light. And who is our father? When we start off in this world, who is our father? It is Satan, not God. And so we are all unclean before God because of our ethnicity, because we're part of Satan's family, because we're part of the kingdom of darkness, not the kingdom of God. And why else aren't we worthy to have Jesus come under our roof? Why aren't we worthy to approach Christ? Well, because of our position because of our position, our social standing. We may have authority in our families. We may have authority in our workplaces. We may have authority when we go to, the, to a restaurant and we can order the waiter or waitress around. We have authority in those places. But when we compare ourselves to Jesus Christ, his position is far greater than ours. Why? He is God's son. He is God's son. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. And so therefore we are not worthy to have him come under our roof. Just as a centurion was not worthy so many years ago because of his ethnicity, which made him unclean, and his position, which made him unclean before Christ, so today, because of our sin, we are unclean before Jesus. And we are not worthy to have him come under our roof because of our sin, which has led to us changing 
which family we belong to, and also has led us to have a completely inferior position before the Lord Jesus Christ. So what do we deserve? What do we deserve? We deserve not to have Christ come under our roof, and we certainly don't deserve to have a seat at Christ's table in the kingdom of heaven with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and to sit down and feast with them, as it says there, as is mentioned in verse 11. We do not deserve that because of our sin, which has made us unclean. What do we deserve? Well, we deserve what we read of in verse 12. The subjects of the kingdom, those who were once the children of God, who were descended from Adam and Eve, the son of God. He was created as one of God's children, Adam, in the garden. What happens to those who have sinned against God? Verse 12, but the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's what we deserve. We deserve hell. We deserve to be thrown out into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. But what happens if we come trusting in Jesus Christ? If we have faith in Jesus Christ, what happens? Well, Jesus saves us. He cleanses us from our sin. He cleanses us. And what is the result? We are ethnically clean before God because we join his kingdom and his family. And we're positionally clean before God because we're in Christ Jesus. And so our status is right before God. And he sees us in Christ Jesus. And what does that then mean? Well, we won't be thrown out into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell. And what happens instead? Well, we'll be able to take our seat at the table in heaven, at the feast in heaven with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. This is a wonderful truth that is taught in Scripture, that God welcomes those who come by faith in him and by faith in his son. He welcomes them into his family, regardless of what nation they belong to regardless of what position they have in society, from the lowest of the low to the highest of the high, if they have faith in Christ Jesus, they then have a position at Christ's table in the kingdom of heaven. And this is a wonderful truth that is taught by the Lord Jesus Christ here. And it's also taught again, very powerfully, in a very similar way in the book of Acts, to Peter and the other apostles with another centurion called Cornelius. Look with me now at Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 11, which is found on page 1089. 1089. Acts chapter 10 has the report of how Peter sees this great vision. Uh, He is then led to go and see this man, uh, Cornelius, who's a centurion himself. And Cornelius and the many that are with him all uh, uh, accept the message of Peter about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Peter goes back uh, to Jerusalem and he then encounters a problem from the other apostles. Why? Because he has entered into a Gentile's home and eaten with a Gentile. And that's a real problem for the apostles. Those men who were with Jesus back in Matthew Matthew chapter 8... They then have a problem in chapter 11 of Acts with Peter for eating with a centurion in a centurion's home. And so we pick up the account in verse 1 of chapter 11, page 1089. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of the uncircumcised, of uncircumcised men and ate with them. 
Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord, nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, "'Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved.'" As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. What does it mean if we are repentant of our sins and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ? No one, no one can object to our position at God's feast in heaven with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob despite our ethnicity and our position in this world. No one can object if we are repentant of our sins to our place at the table of God in heaven. So what about you? Do you think that you have a place in the kingdom of God? That one day you will get to eat at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Why is that? Why do you think you'll have a position at that table? Is it because of your heritage? Because of your ethnicity? Because of your family? I had a family member who never went to church, never read her Bible, never prayed that I was aware of, did not like to speak about Christianity at all, but in her mind, she died a Presbyterian. She died a Presbyterian and had a funeral in a Presbyterian church, even had a piper play bagpipes in a church, which is an experience in itself. She couldn't hear it, but we could. Why did she think she was a Presbyterian? Because she was a Scot. She was a Scot. And Scots are Presbyterians. And so they're Christians by their nation. By their citizenship in Scotland, they are automatically Presbyterians, and therefore, what do they deserve? A place at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But what does Jesus say to that? What does he say in Matthew chapter 8? He says that many of the children of the kingdom, the subjects of the kingdom, will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you do not have faith in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter 
what ethnicity you are. It doesn't matter what your mother believes, what your grandmother believes, what your great-grandmother believes. They were, my mother was a Christian, my grandma was a Christian, my great-grandmother was a Christian, so of course I'm a Christian. It doesn't matter, Jesus says. That's the thing that the Jews were hanging on to. That because their father was a Jew, their grandfather was a Jew, their great-grandfather was a Jew, and their great-great-grandfather was a Jew, they were automatically a child of the kingdom. But what does Jesus say? Children of the kingdom will be thrown out. Is that you? Are you depending upon your heritage? Are you depending upon your position in this world of importance that should make you clean before God and have a place at the table? Is that why you think that you deserve a place at the table? Maybe you're not a centurion, but you might have money. And so you can order people around. But maybe you don't have much money. But surely you have some power over someone. Maybe in the workplace you get to order people around. There are certain people, I think, who really love being managers in certain jobs just so that they can order people around. Maybe it's being part of a strata committee. I had this thing once that people on strata committees in buildings are usually people who had importance at one, place, at one point in the world, uh, but now are simply retired. Maybe you get to order people around, order your neighbours around. Maybe you get to order family members around, or maybe not, but you at least get to order the family dog around. You think that you have importance. You're not a centurion, but you still have a position of importance over someone or something. And therefore, you're an important person, and therefore you deserve a seat at the table in the kingdom of heaven. But what does Jesus say? If you trust in your position, if you trust in your position, you will not eat at my table in heaven. What is the only way to have a seat at the table in heaven, at God's family table? It's by faith in Jesus Christ. By faith in Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead, that he was a substitute that you need for your sins, that he paid the penalty that you deserve at the cross. If you have faith in Jesus, as that centurion did so many years ago, then you have a seat at the kingdom of heaven. We should all be heeding the warning that is given by the Lord Jesus Christ about this very matter when he speaks of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16. Turn with me now for another example of this teaching for us. Page 1036, page 1036. Luke chapter 16, reading from verse 19. Luke 16, verse 19, page 1036, where it says... There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in hell, where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are now in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot. Nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so they will not also come to this place of torment. 
Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. What did the rich man have? He had the ethnicity. I assume he's a Jew. And he also had the position in society. He was a rich man. He could order people around. But what was the problem? He was unclean on the inside. He looked pretty clean on the outside, I'm sure. Compared to Lazarus, he was a clean man. Ethnically clean, but also positionally clean. But on the inside, he was unclean. And what did that mean? He was not welcome at God's table in heaven. And if you continue to trust in your ethnicity, if you continue to trust in your position in a society, instead of in Jesus Christ, you will remain unclean too. And one day, what will you find? You will find yourself outside in the darkness and begging Abraham potentially to cool your tongue with a little bit of water from the feast. Come to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you've never done it before, come to Jesus. Admit you're unworthy, unworthy, and trust in nothing but Christ's word to heal you, to save you from your sins. And if we have trusted in Christ Jesus, what can we learn from this today? Well, we must never forget the immense privilege we have and rejoice in it. Why? We were ethnically unclean before God. We were part of a whole different family, the family of Satan. We were part of a different nation, the kingdom of darkness. We did not deserve to have any part in God's feast. Instead, we deserve to be thrown out into outer darkness, into complete darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. We were not worthy to have Jesus come under the roof of our house. But what has happened? By faith in Jesus Christ, we have been washed. We've been made clean by his precious blood, by him taking the penalty for our sins. And what is the result? Jesus has made us citizens of the kingdom of God, of a nation that we did not belong to before. Now we are part of that nation. He has made us part of God's family. We were previously not part of God's family. Now we are part of God's family. And what does that mean? God welcomes us to eat under the roof of his house. We were not worthy to have Jesus come into our house. Now we are welcome to go into Christ's house and to eat at his table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, with the family of God all there. When previously we had no hope of going into that feast. And meanwhile, what has happened to the biological children, so to speak? To the Jews who never trusted in Jesus Christ? They're excluded from that family table. It's kind of like a picture of um, Christmas dinner where family members who should have been at the table have had a fight with the father and have been excluded from the Christmas dinner. Meanwhile, people who are outside the family are doing what? They're sitting at the table eating the Christmas dinner with the father and the son right there. We should never forget. We should always be humble before God, realising how close we came to being in hell. 
But instead, we get to be at God's family table. This should humble us all our days and cause us to rejoice all our days for the privilege that we have when we were not worthy to even have Jesus come under our roof. Let's come to him in prayer. Let's come to God. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your grace in saving those who are unclean. For, Lord, we confess that we were once unclean because of our citizenship in Satan's kingdom, with our father being Satan himself, and our lowly position in this world. But we thank you that by faith in Jesus Christ, we are clean. And we will sit down at the feast in heaven with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and with Jesus Christ himself. So, Lord, we ask that you would help us always to be amazed, as Jesus was amazed, at the faith of the centurion. Lord, we pray that we would be amazed at the faith that you have granted us and that we would always be humble and rejoice in this truth. And, Lord, if there is anyone here this morning who is still trusting in their ethnicity, and their position in this world to have a place at your table. Oh, Lord, we pray that they would heed the warning of Scripture. They would heed the warning of the rich man and Lazarus, and that they would come to Christ now and say, I am not worthy. And that they would have faith in Christ and his word and be clean. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.